All right, let's get it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. I'm joined today by my co-editor, Sam Newberry, and by our social media editor, Hannah Butler. It has been a week since we talked to you last. Kind of a quiet one in the mid-major college basketball world. A few big things did happen, and we will touch on them. Um, I promise I'm not doing this just to torture Hannah, but she's now been on (laughs) twice. And for the second time, we're going to open by talking about um, something negative surrounding her school, Northern Iowa. Um, Actually, two negative things rolled into one here. (laughs) If you missed it, the Panthers announced that not only will reigning Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, A.J. Green, undergo season-ending surgery, but the Panthers will also cancel the remainder of their non-conference games in an effort to get healthy before Missouri Valley play begins. So I know I have uh, takes on this. The Panthers, by the way, one and four without a win over a division one school. Their only victory was against St. Ambrose, 98, 53 back on December 4th. Uh, To be fair to the Panthers, they did play um, four solid division one opponents and played each of them tough. Um, biggest loss by 11 to Utah State, but uh, lost to Western Kentucky by six, lost to St. Mary's by two, lost to Richmond by 10. So, you know, they, they've been right there. But as we talked about uh, the last time Hannah was on, you know, they, they need wins and, and they're not getting them. And now they are off until conference play begins. That'll be Sunday, December 27th, uh, home series, two days against Missouri State. So, Hannah, what do you make of Northern Iowa uh, taking a couple of weeks off here? Is it the right move? And just your general thoughts. My general thoughts, honestly, I think it's the right move. From what I've heard from around the department, it sounds like there's only seven total healthy players right now in terms of injuries. And I don't know if there's a COVID case or what's going on, but that was what I heard. Um, So I think at that point, if you have some players, I don't know if that's even enough, if there's rules about how many eligible players you have to have to be able to play at all. Um, So once I I heard that, okay, because that would do it. Um, Because on Sunday morning, I woke up and I checked Twitter to make sure the world wasn't on fire more than it typically was. And then I saw Mm -hmm. that AJ was out for the season and that they'd canceled the rest of non-conference. And I was my first thought was like, can we do that? Is that even allowed? But <laughs> if, they're, if we're not at the minimum numbers of players, obviously we would have to. So I really think it was the it was the best decision they could have made. It was going to be two more tough games, um, and it would have been a struggle the whole way. I know that one of them was against Wisconsin this week, and it sounds like Loyola Chicago is going to be stepping in there, so it'll still be an NBC matchup, just not with the Panthers. Um, I think that. I 100% agree with AJ going ahead and doing the surgery. I know they were discussing like if he was going to push through it or not, but like this is going to be a dumpster fire of a season for every single team just with COVID. And I think whatever he needs to do for long-term health is smart. Um, But at the same time, looking at seven, you have seven players available. There's really no other options than just getting healthy and focusing on MVC play because you're at large chances, especially after losing to Richmond, they're kind of dead in the water. So like, I think you really have to just prioritize conference play over everything else right now. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, you know, we, we did mention it, 
uh, last time, but by losing all of those games, even though the margins weren't huge, Northern Iowa has really destroyed its chance at an at-large bid. So why bother going through the motions now of playing Wisconsin, playing whoever, uh, when you could just get healthy for conference play, where you, you're still a very talented team, even without mm-hmm. A.J. Green. Um, you still have a shot to go on a run, win the Missouri Valley Tournament, go to the NCAA Tournament. So might as well put yourself in the best position to do that. Um, now, kind of the interesting thing is now without Green, again, reigning conference player of the year, what is this Northern Iowa lineup going to look like? Who becomes the new go-to guy? And are, are there any names maybe on this roster that the average fan isn't familiar with that they should start to get to know? I think surprisingly enough um, for me, I think it's going to be Bowen Bourne. He's a freshman. I think out of Norwalk, he was Iowa's Mr. Basketball last year, if I'm not mistaken. He's a freshman, but just the way he really came out and just was going wild shooting threes at, um, I know like the Bad Boy Mowers Classic. Um, he got a lot of minutes in our other non-conference games. Like I think he's really going to be one to watch, especially as he gets more comfortable. He's not super tall. I don't think he's quite six foot, um, but he is fast. And I think that's really going to play into his advantage. And obviously there's a lot of kind of that same freshman, sophomore group that's really, um, they have a lot of really talented kind of sharpshooters. So I think if they can start hitting threes and hitting them consistently, that they're going to be okay. Yeah. And uh, just kind of on, on top of this, adding to, uh, the reasons why Northern Iowa would cancel the rest of the non-conference season. Austin Fife and it, I believe it was Titan Anderson both dealing with uh, injuries of their own. I think it, Titan Anderson was out before. I don't know that he's out the whole season, but I believe he, I don't know if he got surgery. He was getting treatment for an injury before the season started. I think Austin got hurt in the game against Richmond. He kind of came down on his ankle weird. Um, cause he went off the court, he got taped up and he came back on, but he definitely wasn't at the same level as usual. There's uh there's no other season where you could get, um, crushed by injuries and then just decide to take some games off as a team. <laughs> so it's definitely a weird situation, uh, but one that is understandable and, and keep in mind in order to play in the NCAA tournament this year, you need to play, f- uh, 13 games. I, th- I think that's the number they said. Yeah, it's, 13. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's 13. So Northern Iowa would then have to get in nine of the remaining 18 uh, games on the schedule. So half of the Missouri Valley games. Uh, and that's not counting the MVC tournament. So certainly plenty of time uh, to do that. I think it's pretty safe to say, even before this, uh, Northern Iowa is not the favorite in the Valley anymore. That's certainly going to Loyola, Chicago. The uh, Ramblers are three and oh, they finally started play on December 5th. Have not played anyone of note yet. Their most recent game on the road, a win against UIC, but it really steps up for them. um, Tomorrow night when they play Wisconsin on the road. And just so, you know, we, we don't get accused of having any sort of, biases or whatever because i know you guys on twitter really like to throw that at us we should also mention since we're talking about the valley uh drake is off to a 6-0 start bradley 
off to a four and two start. Their only losses to Xavier and South Dakota State. They also have the better win of those two teams against Toledo. Uh, both teams to watch out for um, as conference play approaches. And interestingly enough, those two teams will play each other at Bradley February 26th and 27th uh, to close the regular season in a pair of games that could determine second place in that conference if Loyola is as good as advertised, or you never know, maybe even a conference champion. Right. One more team in the Valley to watch out for. Uh, good win. Um, I mean, they got it at home, so take that as you will. But uh, Southern Illinois, the Salukis yeah, beat up. I say beat Murray State um, at home. Murray State mm-hmm. traditionally very good out of the Ohio Valley. Um, you know, had that ridiculous offensive game against uh, Greenville, um, but uh, you know they have they also have losses at Middle Tennessee uh, and Southern or the Southern Illinois loss, but wins um, at home against Illinois State and Austin P. So not not at all a bad win for the Salukis. Um, and so maybe a dark horse candidate there, but uh, I, I'd like to see Drake play, you know, a really, really good team because yeah, they played nobody. They look legit, but at the same time, the, 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 the paper doesn't show that, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, they, I, they I beat can't... a Kansas state team that lost to uh, the three of us who put on jerseys and went and played them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who was it? Fort Hayes state. Fort Hayes state. Without their leading scorer and head coach. Yep. Good God. So, like, I legitimately could have, like, sniffed backup minutes, potentially, and, wow, okay. They wouldn't have laughed you out of the arena. No. I, I'm curious. That might be a fun thing to, to check in every week is who's the lowest ranked, uh, you know, quote-unquote power, power, power conference sure. team. Um in Ken Palm because I wouldn't be shocked if it's Kentucky or uh, Kansas State this year. But, uh, but you forget that the American Athletic Conference exists. Oh right. And Tulane is two eleven in Ken Palm. Oh Gross. wow. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, However, Kansas State is second because Kansas State is one fifty six. Oh nice. <laughs> and I highly doubt there's another team just, even close to there. Absolutely. I'm just scanning now. Absolutely gross. Yeah, it it is disgusting and. Honestly, the AAC is more mid-major than not, in my opinion. And that opinion has absolutely not changed since before July 1st. I don't know why you you would even ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is the Valley. We will talk about another team that definitely deserves our attention. This one for good reasons talking about the Aztecs of San Diego State. We will get to that right after this. And we're back here on the Mid-Major Madness podcast. Russ Steinberg alongside Sam Newberry and Hannah Butler. If you missed this weekend in college basketball, there were several huge stories. Um, Obviously, um, a a health issue with Kante uh, Johnson in the University of Florida, the most important one. Um, but th- the biggest, as far as basketball goes, just might be the San Diego State Aztecs. San Diego State came into their game Thursday against Arizona State with a 4-0 record, with a win over UCLA, a 15-point win, mind you, and a win over Pepperdine, a team that could 
parentheses, could make the NCAA tournament. And they beat Arizona State by 12 at ASU. Now, this is a year you know, coming off of what could have been a Final Four team in 2019, or sorry, in 2019-2020. They lose, of course, Malachi Flynn. We still have high expectations for them. We still think they're going to be pretty good, uh, you know, as in relation to a lot of the other teams that we cover. But I don't think many people thought that they would be nationally relevant this season. And look at that. They are. They rank 19th in the nation in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Again, 5-0. and They've got their next game coming up Friday against BYU. That'll be another good test for them. Um, but, you know, I, I, I kind of want to start really big picture here and then kind of get down to specifics. So the, the first thing that stands out to me is that as a program, this is an important year for San Diego State because just about anyone, not anyone, but a lot of teams can have one awesome year. Uh, especially under a, a head coach who is not proven in the way that his predecessor was. Brian Dutcher is in his fourth season, um, had an awesome year last year, and is now showing some program continuity um, by putting together another nationally relevant team. And that's not easy to do if you are the coach of a school outside of the nation's power structure, if you will. Um, so that, that is the, the first thing I wanted to say it's a testament to Brian Dutcher, to the culture that uh, I hate saying that, but you know what I mean to the program itself at, at San Diego state and where they stand in the hierarchy of mountain West schools of West coast schools of, you know, schools from mid-major conferences in general. So, um, I want to throw it to you guys, see what, what you think about San Diego state, where this program stands, uh, kind of big picture, and then we can talk about this team specifically. I think Dutcher winning with this roster, or at least winning the games he's won so far, and, and the method he's done it. So, like, the closest game has been Pepperdine, um, but, you know, you go to Arizona State uh, and beat them by double digits. You go to uh, UCLA and beat them by 15. You go... Um, you know, you beat Pepperdine, you know, just by the five, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to like about this team. And I think the fact that they're doing it without sort of, you know, the do it all, you know, people were comparing Malachi Flynn to, uh, you know, Fred Van Vliet, um, out of Wichita state, sort of the, the do it all defensive jackknife, you know, incredibly intelligent, uh, floor general type of player um or at least you know i don't one doesn't immediately jump out at me on this roster like malachi flynn does obviously um you, you have matt mitchell playing you have uh jordan shackle playing um i'm sorry if i mispronounced his name um i'm, I'm sure i did but uh you have good players on this team um but you don't have like a malachi flynn and you go out and beat you know a ucla um and you beat an Arizona State who were you know, top 25 teams to start the year, uh, sort of asserting their dominance is like the second best team on the West Coast right now. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga being one, but it, it's hard to say that you couldn't plug and play San Diego into uh, the Pac-12 this year, and they wouldn't be the favorite. 
Yeah, I think they've def- I think they're definitely going to continue to be an interesting team to watch. They're always a team I kind of have my eye on. Um, I caught part of the game against Arizona State and like Jordan Shakel having 25 points. That was pretty big. Uh, you see Nathan Mensah. So once again, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing these names. Um, he had 17 points and 15 rebounds. And like you have those two really having great nights, but like it's been consistently, even if it's not the same two people having a great night, there's always somebody who's doing really well. And I feel like it's a pretty well-balanced team. So I think we're going to see a lot from them. Um, I think they're going to, they've obviously proven that they're, they're five and oh, now they're pretty consistent with how they've been playing. So I think they'll especially be ones to watch as we get into more conference play. Just to re-interject here, I think the most exciting, so they have BYU and St. Mary's left in the non-conference before uh, conference play starts. Obviously two things to watch, Um, you know, St. Mary's, I think better than we thought they would be this year. BYU about as good as we thought they would be this year. Um, but the two games I'm looking the most forward to uh, left on the uh, San Diego State schedule is actually the last two. So the, the yep. Mountain West is doing um, the uh, mini pods, if you will. You, you, you tr- A team travels to another team and plays two games on the same weekend um, just at that team. So there's no home and home, um, just you know playing the two games there and then coming back until the next weekend where they're either away again or at home. Um, And so the last two games of the season before the conference tournament for San Diego state, uh, they get at home Boise state, who is at least in my opinion, you know, the second best team in the mountain West. And so, you know, that could be a weekend, um, a Thursday and a Saturday that decides not only I, you, you would think San Diego state will be, um, leading the conference at that point and hope I don't want to say hopefully um, but I I would guess by a, a few game margin but if the if things are a little tight if they stumble up against Utah State because they have those away or those two games away um, you know maybe they maybe they drop one uh, to UNLV or Nevada um, those two games could be what the conference one seed rely or is, is decided on and so I, I'm really high on Boise State. I, I, I'm a big fan of what I've seen. And so I have those two games circled on my calendar as much-watched much basketball. Yeah, I, I'm glad you bring up Boise State because the Broncos are exactly the type, the type of team that, um, that I think is good to put into this conversation with San Diego State in terms of uh, program continuity. And of course, San Diego State has the bigger name. But if you look at what Leon Rice has done, you think back uh, now four seasons ago, it was Chandler Hutchinson, one of the, sorry, Chandler Hutchison, one of the best players in the Mountain West Conference. He goes off to the NBA immediately. Now Justinian Jessup steps up. They kind of struggled in 2019, came back strong last year, finished the year strong. Jessup now in the NBA. And you look at this Boise team now, four and one, win over BYU, only lost to a Houston team that, you know, could go to the final four. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And you look at who the star is now, and it's Derek Alston. Alston, uh, at least to start, uh, playing very, very well, uh, except, of course, for that Houston game when he somehow didn't score a point. Uh, But since then, 27, 14, 12, and 23, and those four games, all victories. 
Um, so what Leon Rice has been able to do is kind of string together stars. And we'll see if San Diego State has now San Diego State doesn't have another Malachi Flynn. That's fine. They don't need that. They have a Matt we'll Mitchell. They have a Matt Mitchell. And Matt Mitchell, senior, an excellent player in his own right. Um and a consistent one, I, I should add. Uh, double figures in every game so far this season. He's shooting well from the floor. Um, a lot to like. Three-point shot maybe needs a little bit of work. Um, well, by that, I mean it's nowhere near where it was last year when he hit 39%. He's just 4 of 17 so far this season. Um, but, yeah, Matt Mitchell is now the guy there and it's so good for the mountain West as a conference to see a couple of different programs that are able to do this. Um, because it, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about the mountain West, maybe becoming a perennial one bid league, uh, because they had had a few years in a row of that. And now to see, um, multiple teams, being nationally relevant, San Diego State is Boise State. Utah State can maybe get there. Um, it, it's great to see. And really, if you look up and down that league, almost everybody, maybe except for Air Force and San Jose State, have had moments over the last few years when they kind of rose to the top. And, and that makes for a really fun league. Right. I mean, I can remember a few years ago, um, Fresno State having a really good year. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Wyoming has had some solid teams if not great um you know you go back to like the martin twins in nevada um you know there's 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 been a lot of talent come through this league the last few years it hasn't you know really reflected into the tournament um mostly because i you know covid happened this year and so we didn't Mm -hmm. get to see san diego state potentially go on a dominant run um and then like you said russ you know they've been kind of down a little bit um so we had what utah state and san diego state were probably going or utah utah state and san diego state were going last year for sure um i think boise state was in the conversation but probably wasn't making it um you know you you look back the year before that i think it was also utah state that went um but nobody else as far as i can remember um so it's good to see you know even if it is just two or three teams this year and i don't want to discount nevada too much unlv maybe uh we can start to rule them out but i think nevada is still okay um Mm -hmm. one of the teams we'll talk about in a bit um it's definitely going to be uh definitely not the greatest loss in the world but they did lose away um they did lose to san francisco and sort of got whipped on by san francisco but they have wins against uh nebraska they have a win against nebraska um, at Nebraska, and so I don't want to rule UNLV or Nevada out completely, but I uh, I think really the class of this conference will be San Diego State, Boise State, and potentially Utah State. Yep. Um, so excited to see the race at the top. Although I do expect San Diego State to uh, fin- finish uh, number one. Um, I would be shocked if this isn't a two bid league. I think Boise State should deserve to go this year. So. Next, we are going to talk a little bit about Grand Canyon. We'll stay out west and then just kind of do a quick whip around of some of the other major teams, major games that have happened over the last week. First, we'll step aside for one more quick break. Be back right after this. 
back here on the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. Russ Steinberg, Sam Newberry, Hannah Butler. We want to stay out west, talk about the lopes of Grand Canyon University. Uh, out of the whack, first-year head coach Bryce Drew. Um, seems like every year uh, New Mexico State is the class of the Western Athletic Conference. Uh, we have our running bit on Twitter about how they've never lost a whack game ever. Um, if New Mexico State ever gets to play a Division One opponent, you know, maybe we might see that. Uh, but they have two wins against non-D1s and have now shut down due to COVID-19 concerns. Uh, so we're kind of still wait and see on them, fair or not. Uh, but we have seen Grand Canyon play. They've played five games now. They're four and one. Their most recent um, game, a one-point loss to Arizona State. They beat Nevada by 10. Nevada, uh, Sam, as as you said, a, definitely not a team to kind of thumb your nose at. They've, uh, they're have they ranked 126 in Ken Palm. Their only losses, again, to Grand Canyon, San Francisco. Uh, beat Nebraska. Who knows how good that really is. Uh, but the Lopes, they're, they're looking pretty good in their first season under Bryce Drew. Uh, possible maybe that... A changing of the guard was necessary there. They bring in a guy, Drew, who comes from uh, Vanderbilt, spent three years there. It didn't really work out, but had a nice track record that he built up at Valparaiso. And now the uh, the Lopes are looking pretty good. They're playing uh, something called American Indian tomorrow, so we'll assume that's a win. But then after that, they play San Francisco and Colorado, um, two games that will be big tests for them December 20th and 22nd. What do you guys make of the Lopes? I think a lot of times when you kind of introduce a new coach into the mix, I feel like like stuff either goes really well or it kind of tanks for a little bit as they get the hang of it and then they rebound after a season or two. I think they're definitely going to be a team where like the new coach situation is working for them. Obviously, like they've really been pretty solid this far this season. I mean, you saw over Nevada, I think it was Jovan Blackshire Jr. had a career high 22. And I think that that's really, I mean, obviously everyone's going to have a good night once in a while, but like there were several consistently high scorers on that team. And I think it'll be interesting to keep watching them as the season develops and, you know, like they continue to readjust to different coaching styles. Right. I mean, it, the buck stops with Jovan Blackshire. Um, he is the go-to guy. Um, I do find it funny that uh, the dichotomy of Joven Blackshear and uh, Asbjorn Mittgard, uh, so the Wichita State transfer, the seven-footer, um, one truly like a true seven-footer, uh, really high shooting percentage from the floor, gets a doesn't foul, which is impressive, um, gets to the free throw line consistently, Massive rebounding numbers, um, good block percentages as well. Um, just an effective, efficient score, sort of comboed with the explosiveness of Blackshear. Um, you know, he's taking a lot of shots, but he's making it worth it. Um, ridiculously high offensive rating, um, good true shooting percentage, and also not a bad floor general in his own right, um, dishing out a ton of assists. Um, I think what Grand Canyon really has going for them um, is the balance. Uh, so again, Joven Blackshear, 5'11 at the point guard spot. Um, but then you have, you know, Alessandro Lever, 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 I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, 
who's a 6'10 stretch four who's shooting like 61% from three. Um, you have uh, Mikey Dixon and Oscar Freyer on the starting lineup as well. Um, you know, both consistent players, uh, you know, one being uh, Freyer being a really, really solid defensive player, usually drawing the toughest assignment every night, um, at least on the perimeter. Uh, so I think that, you know, New Mexico State didn't exactly look the greatest, and we're not going to see them play basketball again until January 8th when they take on Dixie State. Um, Grand Canyon has a chance to nab victories against San Francisco and Colorado. Um, I think they'll probably – I want to go out on a limb here and say they'll split those. Um, I think they'll get one of them. I don't know which. Uh, they're both on neutral floors. Um, but – I think this is the year New Mexico State falls, man. I One of the things I've noticed, uh, at least in New Mexico State's box scores, um, I can admit I only watched uh, the first one where they struggled mightily against Arizona Christian, who's not even a D1 program. And, uh, you know, they, they shoot fine. Um, lots of turnovers here. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just... I, I like what Bryce drew has. I think um, Jovan Blackshear is the, would be the best player in any New Mexico state grand Canyon matchup. And um, I, I like the, the balance that grand Canyon has um, with the two sort of like, you know, the one, I mean, lever is the second tallest player on the grand Canyon roster. Um, and he's shooting 61% from three. Uh and he would be taller than anybody listed on the New Mexico State roster. Then you have the true center in uh, Midgard. What do you do? You know, I can New Mexico State handle that and then also attempt to contain Blackshear? I don't know. So um, I think if I had to t- pick a year for the whack to not go New Mexico State's way, it might as well be this one you bring up San Francisco in these next two games that GCU plays. I don't think it's that hard to take to say that the, um, that they could beat the Dons. San Francisco has been pretty mercurial this year. They beat Virginia upset of the year. So far, we know that they pounded Nevada, but then lost to UMass Lowell and lost to a, a bad Cal team. So, you know, if you could lose to Lowell, you could also lose to Grand Canyon. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did split those games. Like you said, uh, going back to what Hannah said a, a couple minutes ago here, when you bring in a new coach, yeah, yeah, there there are a few different ways things could go right off the bat. And something that's interesting is what sort of roster turnover there is, because very often you'll have guys transfer out. You'll have the new coach maybe bring in somebody that he recruited previously or someone that he's built a relationship or just go hard at the transfer market to fill in holes. Well, if you look at Grand Canyon's top four players, now three of their top four scorers were on this roster last year. Uh, number five, Jaden Stone is a freshman. And then uh, there's the transfer Midgard, as you guys mentioned a few minutes ago. So Bryce Drew was getting a lot out of a team that went 13 and 17 last year, eight and eight in the whack. So that's good to see. 
And that certainly bodes well for the future uh, in Phoenix. Now, shift gears here. We've been out west most of this podcast. Let's go east a little bit now. Um, Just kind of hit on a few teams really quickly. Uh, Just talking to you guys before the pod, before we hit record here. Um, I know I'm not the only one who watched Western Kentucky and Rhode Island. That was a great game. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Western Kentucky won that one 68-65. I I don't think I learned anything new in that game. It just reaffirmed a few things for me. One of them being Charles Bassey is a legit NBA prospect, uh, even though he fouled out of that one. I had 13 and nine and you could see five blocks. You could see defensively just how he impacts a game. Uh, That was the thing I enjoyed watching uh, the most, but throw it to you guys real quick. What did you make of that game and the Hilltoppers and the Rams? Western Kentucky is just, they're just so much fun to watch. Like I was thinking that even as I watched them beat you and I in the season opener and I I've watched them play a couple times since then, but they're just, they're just so much fun to watch. I love watching Bassey. I know that he was out all last season. So seeing him really come back in full force this season and like you said, establish himself as a real NBA prospect, like I just love it. Like that's just fun basketball in my opinion. Uh, I mean, I, on Western Kentucky, uh, it's nice to see that um, in any given game, um, you know, we've seen you know Bassey obviously being – the defensive force he is um, really proving that he's going to be a next level uh, consistent player, if not necessarily an all-star. He's a guy that's going to warrant minutes just with his length and his shot blocking ability and his rebounding ability. Um, You know, the outside outside shot can use a little work, but um, there's definitely a lot of players in the league that make their living without having an outside shot still. Um, I think the good thing for Western Kentucky is that they have, you know, I can just count, excuse me. um, I can just count on like, I can't, it's almost takes me two hands to count people that I've seen be top of the score sheet. Um, You know, Josh Anderson for this game, Tavion Hollingsworth, Charles Bassey, Carson Williams, Davion McKnight, Jordan Rawls, Luke Frampton. All of them have had really good games. All of them have had legitimate performances. Um, and so the fact that they have two or three guys showing up every night, but it's not, you can pick, it doesn't have to be the same two or three. You can sort of pick from a pool of five or six um, is, is really encouraging, uh, especially because Damian McKnight and uh, Jordan Walls come off the bench. Um, having impact players off the bench, um, especially in a league where um, things can tend to go sideways sometimes, CUSA is always an adventure. Um, and the other team I think we're going to talk about or just touch on really quick is also from CUSA. But um, CUSA is a wild and wacky conference, and we haven't really seen Bassey at his best in it yet. So it'll be really fun to see. I think Western Kentucky is one of the five or six best mid-major teams in the country. Um, No offense to Rhode Island, because Rhode Island looked really, really, really good on the road against that team. Um, Fats Russell is the truth. I'm a big, big Fats fan, um, but uh, uh, Hannah is right. They're just—they're such a joy to watch, and 
I am really excited to see what they do in March. You, you bring up a, a couple of points here that I want to touch on, and then we'll get to Marshall, which you uh, hinted at a moment ago. Um, first thing, we've talked about Western Kentucky's balance on this podcast before, and it bears bringing up again, so I, I'm glad you did. Uh, Bassey and Hollingsworth will get all of the accolades, all of the attention, uh, but the fact that this team can legitimately have five or six guys that could lead you in scoring is something that Western Kentucky has not had in the time that Rick Stansberry has been the head coach there. And that is why I think this is the year that the Hilltoppers don't fade. Um, so that will be, again, something to keep an eye on. It's probably something we'll bring up on this podcast again. Uh, Rhode Island. Record's not great. They're three and four. Um, don't let that fool you. They've played nothing but good teams. The worst team they've played, uh, at least according to Ken Palm, is South Florida at 105, and they beat them by 16. They've only played one game at the Ryan Center, and that was a double-digit win over Seton Hall. They also beat San Francisco, losses to Arizona State, Boston College, Wisconsin, and Western Kentucky, and all of those losses, oh, sorry, all of those losses except for Wisconsin, so three of them coming uh, by two possessions or fewer. Um, So... They're, they're a team that, that's going to fly under the radar a little bit in the Atlantic 10, especially considering how good uh, teams like Richmond, St. Louis, maybe Dayton can be. The Rams can certainly be a spoiler of sorts. They could certainly be a team that you know can, can tank a tournament resume in a hurry, um, could mess up seating for St. Louis or, or Richmond. Uh, so somebody to watch out for and somebody who could maybe go on a run and win that conference tournament. You never know. So keep an eye out on the Rhode Island Rams. Definitely. And uh, the X factor on that team, uh, at least in, in my opinion, uh, so uh, is, I just lost his name, is DJ Johnson coming off the bench. So a junior uh, forward. Uh, but he uh, he went four for five from three um, against Western Kentucky. Um, you know, you sort of have... Uh, We'll see what happens with Makai Mitchell, who uh, went down with a, an injury, couldn't put a lot of weight on it, um, on his leg uh, in the Western Kentucky game. But you still have uh, Mikhail Mitchell, Antoine Walker, Fats Russell, and then I think uh, sort of the X factor will be what can they get out of uh, Ishmael Leggett and DJ Johnson off the bench. Um, so uh, the fact that he shot so well against Western Kentucky um, – who have been sort of not great against the, uh, the three um, take that as you will. But uh, I think you're right, Russ. I, I don't think they have the, the resume to get in right now um, as an at large, but that's definitely a team that come March, if they're firing on all cylinders, there's probably not a team in their conference that wants to see them in the conference tournament. Yeah. And we'll, we'll switch gears now to Marshall and we'll, we'll cover this quickly. Cause I know Hannah has to go in a minute. Uh, Thundering herd are 4-0. No wins that are really eye-popping, but they did beat Wright State. They did beat Ohio, two teams that could conceivably win the MAC, and they beat both of those teams by double digits. In fact, all four of their wins have come by double digits. It appears to be a typical Dan D'Antoni team. They're fast. They score a lot of points. They play a lot of possessions, and of course, they win. They are projected now to go 19-5 and overall by Ken Palm, 13-5 and in CUSA, the only individual game they are not projected to win is at Western Kentucky. 
Um, now, of course, that doesn't mean I think they will win every game except for that one. Um, but certainly, you know, Sam, a couple weeks ago, you, you were talking about them as maybe the second best team at CUSA. I was thinking that it would be North Texas. Maybe North Texas could still put it together. Um, but right now it looks like you, you could be right. Marshall looks really, really good. Uh, I mean, so Wright State is like the prohibitive favorite in the horizon. Ohio can conceivably win the MAC, um, and you know played an Illinois team that lost to Missouri, sure, but you know they played a, a very, very, very good Illinois team in Champaign to a very close loss by Ohio. Um, and so I think we can't sort of discount, you know, like Wright State's a borderline top 100 Ken Palm team, so is Ohio. Um, Marshall still gets Toledo before and uh, UNC Asheville before conference play starts in the new year. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, North Texas hasn't exactly, they've been beaten by a lot of really good teams. Um, they've played a lot of really good teams close, but they still only have one win and it's against literally the worst team in division one, um, Mississippi Valley state. Uh and then they're going to, you know, North Texas is going to get Arkansas Pine Bluff and Houston Baptist, both 350 area in Ken Palm as well, before an LSU matchup. Uh, so three games in a week, uh, and then they'll get into the conference slate. So um, I, I think it's, I think Western Kentucky is probably by far and away the best team in this league. Um, but I don't want to discount, like Marshall is doing everything you could ask of a good mid-major team in beating other good mid-major teams um, and playing other good mid-major teams. Uh, you know, they don't have the the San Francisco win over Virginia. Sure. But with the schedule they have, they've gone to Wright state and beat them convincingly. They beat Ohio convincingly at home. Um, this is a really, really, really good thundering herd team. And, uh, circling the calendars for uh, January 14th and 17th uh, where they actually do play a, a home and away with Western Kentucky. Um, those team, those games look, you know, the closest by far on the, the CUSA schedule. So uh, really excited to see those two games. And that will probably be where the conference, the regular season champion is determined. Last thing I want to ask Sam I made a mistake a minute ago referring to Wright State as a school in the MAC. I know they're in the Horizon League. Uh, that is, I, I've made that mistake before just because they seem like they should be a MAC school. And like when I don't think about it, they just make sense there. My question to you is who do I upset more with that, Wright State fans or fans of the MAC? Probably Wright State fans because right state would fit into the Mac basketball wise. I think the reason they're not in the Mac is that the Mac plays uh, FBS football. And I don't think right state does. Um, mm-hmm. So I uh, take that as you will. I think you would upset right state f- or I don't think you're making anybody mad by that. I think hmm. right state's like, yeah, we probably should move up to a better conference. Um, and the Mac would be like, yeah, we probably should have better teams in our conference. <laughs> so, uh, cause I mean, you know, Wright state's been consistently better than at least half of the Mac. Fair. Uh, do you have anything else you wanted to touch on here? Uh, not off the top of my head. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're getting closer to conference season. The big East is starting. It's sort of doing a couple conference games in, uh, 
December and then waiting until the new year. So, um, you know, I don't think we have a bunch of mass. I guess, you know, the next big game we're going to probably be watching is Gonzaga versus Iowa uh, on Hopefully. Saturday. So I we, we were joking earlier about Loyola and Wisconsin take the under whatever the over is in Gonzaga, Iowa slam slam the bets down on that because yep. that's going to be just a massively entertaining game. All right, we're looking forward to that one. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. As always, subscribe if you have not already. You could do that wherever it is you find your podcast. Rate and review us as well. For Sam Newberry and Hannah Butler, I am Russ Steinberg. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you again next week.